in 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning. 1 Peter 3, beginning in verse 13. It reads as follows. And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear their fear and do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and fear. Having a good conscience that the, in the thing in which you are slandered, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing good rather than for doing wrong. For Christ also suffered for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. We're going to do, do something kid-like right now. If you ever went to church as a kid, they had a thing called a memory verse. You'd remember, you'd, there's a verse, you would learn it, you'd remember it, and it'd be with you forever. That verse would be in your mind, and as you walk through your day, God could bring that up to help you to fight against temptation. The verse we want to memorize together is this. 3.17 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. And you want to know the address because you want to be able to find it later. 1 Peter 3, 17. For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing good rather than for doing wrong. Let's say it together. 1 Peter 3, 17. For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing good rather than for doing wrong. And we'll go back to this the whole time. This is going to be where we live today. You see, in the Bible, there's at least three kinds of suffering. Now, suffering always hurts. It's always, that's why they call it suffering. The first kind of suffering is the suffering that comes from by being a person. The Bible says, it rains on the just and the unjust. Some suffering is just because you're alive in the world. There are things we all go through in this life. It's not because God is mad at you, not being picked out of a lineup. When COVID hit America, when COVID hit the whole world, murderers and soccer moms both got it. You understand? It wasn't like God's like, that one, I gotcha. COVID hit everybody. When the water crisis hit Flint, Michigan, didn't matter if you had money or no money, we all had lead in our water, straight up. As you age, your body's going to have some kind of trouble, whether it's your eyes or your back or your hands. As we age, this body decays. That's not punishment, that's just, that's just being a person. We live in a world infected by sin and death. There are things we all go through. It's not because God's mad. It's 
because we're people in a fallen world. That's why we long for the day when Christ returns. The Bible says that even creation grows awaiting the master's return because even this creation is going to be redeemed. No more tornadoes or earthquakes or droughts. Even bears become house pets. How cool is that going to be? I'm just saying. I want to ride a bear someday. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. In Jesus' lifetime, there's a guy uh, suffering. A guy was lame, I believe. And the disciple asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he is this way? And Christ said, neither. It's not his sin or his parents' sin. This just happens. You live in a world, people are born, and the DNA gets beat up because we're born in a, a world infected by death. Sometimes the DNA is all mixed up, and things just happen. It can be redeemed. It can make a difference. I'm just saying, we all suffer by being here. If you drive on the street and your car breaks down, don't think, God hates me. All of our cars break down. Right? If you're Flint Town, your car is 10 years old, it's bound to break down soon anyway, right? So some suffering, we all go through. It's just a normal part of being alive. Endure it. Endure it well. That's kind of suffering we all know too. Suffering for doing evil. <laughs> so yesterday I wrote six pages of a paper for college. If you ever come and watch me type a paper, it's like I'm playing a piano. I type like the wind. The ideas flow. I, mean, I, I am a mad scientist of typing. Like, how do you know how to type so good, Pastor Nesto? I'll tell you how. When I was in uh, high school, every time I got in-school suspension, I got sent to the library, and they put me on front of a computer, and there was a typing program where you'd be like, A, A, A. B, B. I got in school suspension so much, I'm a great typer. Now, that in school suspension was not because I was a good student. I talked in class. Mr. Ernesto, yes, Mrs. Carpenter. In school suspension, okay, Mrs. Carpenter. That's a constant, that's not because God was mad at me. I was being punished by the heavens. I was breaking a rule and I received a punishment for doing so. If you're driving home drunk, and you get pulled over, you can't say, the Lord's really challenging me. The devil's really after me. That's not the Lord or the devil. You have sinned. You're playing the fool, driving influence, where you put everyone's lives in danger for your selfishness, and the cops caught you. That's justice, not punishment. A lot of this, if you put your hand in a fire and it burns you, that's not God being me. Lord, why? No, no, you put your hand in a fire, yo. And every one of us here has suffered for doing stupid things, haven't we? We've been sinful, foolish. We've done wrong and we've received the penalty of our wrongdoing. We've all done it. I, when I used to, when Angie were dating back in the day, I drive from Chicago to see her, and I was in a hurry because my baby was five hours away. And I would drive fast. 
And you know what's crazy? The first dozen or so times I got pulled over, they let me go. I would, talk, I, would, I, would, I would charm, I would schmooze. They'd be like, you have no points? We're just giving you a warning. I got a lot of warnings. But one day, the first guy is like, Mr. Lanise, you're going, you know, something, something, and a something, something. I won't tell you because I don't want you to judge me. <laughs> they gave me a ticket, they gave me a ticket, and I'm like, okay, I got a point. Once the first guy gave me one, no more warnings. Every time they got me, I got a ticket, boom, boom, boom. After a while, I got a letter from the mail saying, Mr. Lanise, you have so many points in your license, you must now go back to driver's training to learn how to drive again. And I was like, I'm a grown man. Listen, that wasn't the Lord being mean to me. That was me, and I had a lead foot driving too fast. And what's crazy is my insurance for years was through the roof because I had been a foolish young man. We've all felt consequences of doing evil. We do dumb things and our lives blow up because of it. I lie. I tell someone trust me with a secret. I tell that secret. I gossip about someone, and it comes back to bite me. That's listen. And, we're, and all of us are so we're so. None of us want to admit that we did anything bad. Whenever I do like couples counseling, couples always come in, and one, one, one person says, "It's all them, Pastor. I'm 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 a, I'm I'm the sweetest angel in the world. There's a bad secret husband or wife. What are you gonna do?" It's rarely that cut, uh, cut and dry. Usually, it takes two to tangle. But no one wants to admit they're wrong. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of us, we do wrong things. We get in trouble for it. Our sinful decisions can hurt our lives for years. That happens. Now, when you suffer for doing evil, this is what you should do. Now, if you suffer, if you suffer just being in the world, endure it. If you suffer for doing evil, I encourage you to learn from your stupidity. Learn from your selfishness. Learn from your sinfulness. The Bible says, like a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. That's nasty. Like a dog returns to its vomit. If you have a dog, you know what this means, right? My dog will go to the bathroom on the deck, and I tell the kids, clean up that poo quickly. If you don't, my stupid dog is going to eat it. That's disgusting, right? The Bible says, just as that dog eats its own filth, we do something, we put our hand in the fire and go, oh my gosh, that hurts so bad. And we do it again. Learn from your mistakes. Let God teach you the suffering you go through for being, for being foolish. Learn from it. Don't, don't. And a lot of us, we've lived in the merry-go-round for a long time, haven't we? We go round and round and round, never learning the dog returning to its vomit. Learn from the mistakes. Learn. Don't waste the suffering. There's a third kind of suffering, one that many of us will never, ever experience. Suffering for doing good. Listen to the verse again. Let's say it together. 1 Peter 3.17 For it is better... If God should will it that you suffer for doing good rather than for doing wrong. What is suffering for doing good? It means you choose to align yourself with God to do what he wants of you. You choose to do right. And by choosing to do right, all of a sudden you take hits because you're standing with Jesus. You're taking a hit 
because you are on Team Jesus and someone isn't happy about it. It's rare. It's rare. Now, here's the deal. It's a very unique way to suffer, to do right, to obey the Lord, and to still receive pain for doing so. But we find in this, in this passage at least three blessings if you choose to suffer for, do good, for doing good. First, if you suffer for doing good, if you suffer for doing good, no one can harm you. Listen to this. Verse 13. And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear their fear. Do not be troubled. He says, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? It reminds me of this verse in the Bible that says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Right? It's a beautiful expression. If God's on my team, who can stand against us? That's what this means, because here's the reality. It says here, I say, if you suffer for doing good, no one can harm you. Now, it feels like harm, don't it? If someone gossips about you, speaks poorly of you, if you lose your job, if your neighbors don't like you, if your family stops talking to you, it feels like harm, don't it? This is what it's like. Imagine if I invite, if I invite you and some of your buddies to my house. I say, you know what? Come over tonight around 4 o'clock. Let's play some basketball in my driveway. And you're like, well, I'm going to play Pastor Russell basketball. That's a W for me for sure. <laughs> so you get two of your buddies from high school. You come over for 3 on 3 basketball. You pull in the driveway. You see me. See my kid brother. And you see LeBron James sitting there having a Coke in my driveway. You're like, what's going on? I'm like, this is my third. Uh, you might know Mr. James from uh, the Cavaliers or the Heat or the Lakers. And you might play against us. You're going to dribble the ball. You're going to come at us. But here's the reality of things. You and your high school buddies aren't going to win that fight. I have the GOAT on my team. He's going to stick and put that ball in your face every single time. It's going to be like 18 to 1. It's going to be glorious. So they put up a fight. They try to score. But you can't beat the GOAT. And here's the reality. If you suffer for doing good, if you suffer for standing with Jesus, yes, people might push against you. But here's the reality. God's on your side. What can they do to you? What can they do to us? If God is with us, how can they harm us? Think of Daniel. Thrown into the lion's den. Did nothing wrong. Literally persecuted because he was praying to the one true God of heaven. The enemies of Daniel conspired to trick the king into sending a law saying all people must only pray to the king for one month. And Daniel's like, you know what? I ain't praying to the king, and I'm not stopping my prayers to Yahweh. He'd pray three times a week. He'd pray more, or three times a day. Morning and night, he's praying. Daniel's praying to the Lord, and the people knew he's not going to stop praying to God. So they watch, and sure enough, Daniel bows down and he prays. So the king, king, you sign this law saying, if anyone prays to anyone but you, lion's den. They were against Daniel. They wanted to see Daniel harmed. But if God is for you, who can be against you? 
They threw him that, you guys know the story. They threw him in the lion's den, and guess what? The Lord shut those lions' mouths. If you suffer for doing good, who can harm you? Now, here's one of the hard things about this reality of suffering for doing good. For a lot of us, we will suffer for doing good both in the church and outside of it. Both in the church and outside the church. Let me tell you an example. John Perkins, a civil rights leader from Mississippi, was living down the South under the reality of the Jim Crow laws. Even though slavery had been gone for a hundred years, still African Americans lived under a yoke that was unjust and evil. Perkins went back to Mississippi to give his people hope. One thing Perkins found that, that hurt him the most was that his white Christian brothers and sisters were often the ones calling him and his friends the terrible words, telling them to stay in their place, not to speak up. But one day, Perkins, a pastor, meets this white pastor. They're talking, and this white pastor realizes, you really believe in Jesus. And Mr. Perkins is like, that's what I'm saying. We believe in the same Christ. We're on the same team. And this white pastor is cut to the heart. And he begins in his preaching at his white Baptist church in rural Mississippi. He begins just putting little tiny things in the sermons like, we should be nicer to the people across the train tracks. We shouldn't say hateful things about our black brothers and sisters. And his church loses their mind. And they run him out. He was with Christ, doing the right. And his people said, just shut up and say, Pastor, go ahead and preach the word, but don't talk about these political issues. That's not a political issue, friends. That was an issue of right and wrong, good and evil. And that pastor lost everything for choosing to say it's wrong to be wrong. And we as a church, Flint City, we choose to open our doors wide to all kinds of broken people. I had a church call, sorry, I had a ministry call recently. The jail called and said, can we give inmates your church's information? I was like, yes. It's a weird I'm like, sure. Uh, what's the catch? And he said, he goes, listen, here's the fact. Some churches don't want the guy coming out of jail. Don't want him. They don't want that element in their church. It'll make what? It'll make the kids scared or the, it'll make the people scared having, what would they do? Maybe for the little crime, not the real ones. I said, tell them they're welcome. Give them our address, give them my number. You know that in the jail, when you get out, if you go to Genesee County Jail, they let inmates out at midnight. Do you guys know that? If you go to jail, they let you out at midnight. You're out on the street at midnight with the clothes on your back, and that's it. If you've got no people, you're out on these hard streets in the middle of the night looking suspicious as all get out. That's brutal, dude. That is, that's a recipe for going right back inside. There's a ministry we're partnering with 
We're giving a number to all the inmates saying, listen, if you get out and you have no one, you call this emergency line, we'll get you a place to stay that first night. But you're not, not on those hard streets. We invest in these kind of works. We are, we love the incarcerated. We love those battling with addiction. In our church family, there are a lot of people who are recovering addicts, straight up. And here's the reality. Loving, loving addicts is a dangerous business because addicts fall. I can't tell you the number of times where someone we're working with falls back in their addiction and begins calling every number they got in the church asking for money. It happens. I got to go through, listen, so-and-so fell, don't give him money right now, pray for him, be kind when he calls. And that's, it'd be easier to say, just don't come. Don't give your phone number away. The fact of the matter is, we believe God loves all people, including those bound in the chains of addiction. And we believe the chains of addiction can be broken by the power of Jesus. So we open the doors wide. People are allowed to come here. Even if they're still battling, they're allowed to come here. There's a book I just read called The Gospel Comes to the House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. And she says their neighbor, Mr. Hank, was a shut-in, kind of weird. No one in the neighborhood liked him, but they befriended him. They began to love this man. They began praying for him. The kids loved this man. Her, her husband, their three kids. One day the feds show up and raid the house because he's got a meth lab in his basement. Straight up, yo. Like, this is like real life. This is like in Nashville with money, too. That was a nice house with a meth lab in the basement. Fine. Anyways, okay. So they get him. They get him. The neighbors are all gossiping. Oh, I knew something was wrong about him. Good riddance. Everyone's coming to, the, coming to Rosaria and her husband and the kids saying, aren't you glad? I can't believe you were his friend. He betrayed you. And they said, we could choose right now to turn our back on our neighbor and our friend, or we could choose to continue to love and invest in this man. They chose to write this man in prison every single week. When the, when the, when the neighbors talked bad about him, they said, listen, this man is made in the image of God. Even though he did these terrible things, God still is after him. And through, the kids would even write letters to this man in prison. And through that choice to be ostracized by their good and kind neighbors and to stand with the sinner, they suffered for doing good. That man in prison gave his life to Christ. The Lord moves. But sometimes standing with the sinner is hard. In this church, I get a little more scary, a little more crazy. Our door is open wide to those in the LGBTQ community. I've had friends of mine say choice words about our decisions. I've baptized lesbians. We've let people in the LGBT community serve at our church. Friends, friends. How can you do that, Pastor? Here's the reality. 
The church loves to take certain sins and make them worse than all the others. I guess I'll say to us that you who has no sin cast that first stone. The church has failed the LGBT community. We have. We've called, we've pushed them out and called them names and they think we hate them. And the only way to win them is to love them with the love of Christ. That means opening the doors and letting them in. And if people get mad about it, I've had people, listen, I've taken hits about this. People get mad. Pastor, if this person's coming to church, I'm not going there no more. And there's a temptation. The, the, the good Christian will be mad at me for, for standing with the sinner. Temptation is to, you know, temptation is, the temptation is to be like Peter and just hide, right? I don't know the man. Shoot. Ah. Deny him. I don't want to go home and weep bitterly in the night. Christ stood with the most vulnerable outcast of his day. And if we're going to do his work, we're going to do the same. And the church, church folk might not like it. Miss Rosaria Butterfield said this great line in her book. Christians love saying the, word, the, the phrase, hate the sin, love the sinner. She, she turned it a little bit. She said, you know what? Forget that. She says, hate your own sin and love the sinner's. Stop pointing at everybody else. You're a mess. You have enough work to do on your own awfulness. Stop yelling at everybody else about their stuff. Let God deal with them. Who is it to harm you if you decided who else to do is good? So, if you suffer for doing good, they can't harm you. Two, if you suffer for doing good, People will be drawn to your hope. This is what he says. He says, do not fear their fear, do not be troubled. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Meaning, if you're going to choose to walk with Jesus, and maybe good church folk, or maybe worldly folk turn their backs on you, that could, that could, that could be harmful, that could hurt. It's, listen, if people don't like you, it hurts. If friends don't invite you to their get-togethers anymore, it hurts, don't it? To be not included is painful. When I was a young man, it's hard to do what's right and to be punished for it. He says, if you're going to do this, you must sanctify Christ as Lord of your heart. You must entrust yourself for it saying, you know what? Even though I might lose this friendship, even though I might lose these relationships or this job or this opportunity, I must remember I believe in Jesus and I'm with him. Sanctify Christ. Consecrate Christ as the Lord of your heart. This is where I stand. This is why I do what I do. It's because I am in Jesus. If you're going to walk on the water, you better keep your eyes on the Christ. Because it's scary out there, yo. The, the, the storm is raging. Jesus, I don't see nothing else. Jesus, the, the ground shakes. Jesus. It says this, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. 
you know, listen, if you're going if you're to suffer for doing good, people are going to come asking questions of why you're living this way. How can you choose to go through this hard thing? Why not just be quiet? Why not just deny? Why not just fall in line with the crowd? Make it easier for yourself. Listen, my, my father-in-law, Angie's dad, Mr. Sims, I watched him more than once in his life suffer for doing the right. I watched him in the business world sued unjustly and I watched him not defend himself but take the hit. I watched him in the church world choose to do what was right and be ran out of the church he once belonged to. And he suffered quietly. And I, I, I was mad watching him. Like you, I talk a lot of trash in a given week. And the trash I talk is usually ghetto trash, right? If you watch on the news, that was me. Shoot, I'd have done this. Like, we talk that trash, right? I think you do, yeah? <laughs> None of you guys are nodding. I'm like, am I alone? <laughs> you don't want to beat anybody up ever? Okay. Uh, but I talk a big game. Like, man, that was me, man. You can put their head in this. You can go to the car and walk away. So I talked about big trash, and when I saw Mr. Sims being treated wrongly, I wanted to walk in that sneaking boardroom, flip a table over. You're going to be mean to him? Be mean to me! I don't want to go there and just say the line, right? Just, but, I, I, but here's the reality. I watched this man suffer well, and you know what it did? It made me realize this man knows the Christ. And I remember, I went, that, that's why I went to, I, as a young man, had no father growing up. I went to this older man, I said, Mr. Sims, can I come and pray with you every Sunday after church. Because I want to be near the real thing. And so every Sunday after church, I drive an hour and a half north. I, I was, this sounds weird, don't take it weird, but I was like dating Bob before I dated Angie. Like, I mean, I'm serious. Like, me and him, I'm out every week, and Angie was around floating in the back, you know, in the, in the kitchen somewhere. Not in the kitchen, in the house. No, not chauvinist. I'm just saying, the back, the back house, okay, so she was in the house, and some, She's on a lazy boy chair enjoying TV. I don't know. Okay. Jeez. You guys are terrible. I'm saying, I asked Mr. Bob to be with him because I'm like, I watched him do right and suffer. And I knew, listen, this is more than just talk for you. This is the real thing. You're willing to bleed with Christ. I want to be near the real thing. So I went every second, every week, hour and a half, I drove up there, and we just pray outside by this big rock he had out in the back of the property. And it was a life-changing time in my life. I drew close to the Lord, and I met my future wife. So it was great. Listen, if you choose something for doing good, some may throw you away, talk trash on you, but people with eyes that see are going to go, this person is the real deal. And they want to know, how can you do this? How can you live this? How can you choose to do right when you're wrong so often? And you tell them why. You tell them about the hope that is in you. I live this way because of Jesus. I live this way because Christ tells me to live this way. And he says, do it with gentleness and fear, with gentleness and humility, which means when we respond some Christians like to say, I oh, suffer for doing good, when in reality, a lot of Christians are really mean jerks. And they wonder, people are mean to me because I just speak the truth. No, you're a jerk. 
You're, 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 you have no emotional intelligence. You yell at people all the time. You're unkind and uncouth and uncool. They don't hate you because of Christ. They hate you because of you. <sighs> That's brutal. But listen, we don't answer people. We do it with gentleness and with humility. The world loves arrogance. The world loves meanness. That's not Christ's style. Gentleness and humility. We gotta be kind to one another. It's hard for me. I love, I love debating and pulling out the long sword and like winning the fight. I love it. One time I was at Angie's house and I was debating uh, the mom and the sister. Then Angie jumped in on their team, so it was me versus mom and two sisters. And I got mad that it was three versus one. And I knifed them all in the debate. I cut their heads. I, I was like verbally like, beat them like one. Like the mom left the room crying. I'm like, ah, victory. Guess what? Didn't win. <laughs> like, make the mom cry at their house. You're not the winner. You're the big loser. Um, I love debating and being a brutal person. But that's not Christ's style. He's not a jerk. With gentleness and fear. So if you are, if, if you suffer for doing good, people will be drawn to the hope that is in you. And lastly, listen. Verse seven. Let's say it again. First Peter 3.17 For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing good rather than for doing wrong. 18, he says, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring you to God. If you suffer for doing good, you walk with Jesus. Jesus did good and suffered for it. Think about his life. Pilate says about Christ, I find no fault in this man. The thief on the cross that's a Christ says, we deserve this punishment. This is an innocent man. The Roman centurion who stabbed the Christ says, truly this was the Son of God. They realize this is an innocent man who just died. He did nothing wrong. And everyone knew it and they killed him. If you choose to, to do what's right, even if everyone else is wrong, even if everyone's using the most conniving, devious strategies against you, you choose to do things Christ's way. Because how you do a thing is as important as what you do. When we suffer for doing good, we are walking with Christ. Now, it's different than, it's different than Christ. Listen, Peter, I love that Peter, Peter cannot talk about Jesus without preaching the gospel. He says, for Christ also suffered for sins once and for all. The righteous Christ for the unrighteous us. That he might bring us to God. He might bring you to God. This is what we got to understand about Jesus is that Christianity is not us saying, I'm not saying to you today, be a good little boy or a good little girl. Christianity isn't be good. Christianity says, we're not good. But Christ died to bring us home. The, God, the good news says, we ain't dressed right, we don't talk right, we don't smell right. 
We don't deserve it, but the door's open. You stumble into the king's house. He says, oh, my son told me you were coming. You're mine because of Jesus, not because of us, because none of us in this room, even if you're a decent person, doesn't matter. And you're not as decent as you think you are. We pretend we're awesome. We're not. If people knew what's in here, they'd be horrified. God sees, and he still opens that door. Why? Because of Christ. Even if you were a piece of crap human being this week, you can still pray, and the Father still hears you. Not because you're awesome, because Jesus paved the way for you. That's the good news. Christ he suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, so that he might bring you to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. If you suffer for doing good, you walk with Jesus. Now, the next few verses of this passage are wild. There's like a flood and preaching to spirits in prison. I'm not going to get into that right now. <laughs> I'm going to do a Facebook Live this Tuesday. If you want to go deep, Noah, spirits, demons, that's Tuesday on Facebook Live. So if, those of you that are huge Bible nerds, we're going to get it. Um, but I want to end this for us right now and say this to us. You cannot make this happen. I can't just go to like some mosque somewhere and walk in and go, Jesus, and get beat up and say, suffer for doing good. That's not, you can't make yourself get beat up for Jesus and count it as a point. You, you, so, 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 like, like, being suffered for doing good is going to be smaller than you think it's going to be. It's not going to be like going to prison in a Muslim country, you know what I'm saying? Or get the communists getting you. That's not what it's going to be like. It's going to be a good friend of yours is being stupid. You got, as, a, as a Christian brother or sister, you say to them, Listen, um, I have a, a guy I'm good friends with, and he's, he's a dude. He's not like a Jesus. He, he loves Jesus, but he's not like, he's still rough around the edges, you know what I'm saying? He's a dude. And this dude with his other dudes, one of the guys, a good friend, talking about how he's going on this road trip or this business trip, and he planned to uh, be unfaithful to his wife. And this dude... When everyone was gone, he said, hey, man, you shouldn't do that thing, brother. You, you, you say you love Jesus. This is not what Jesus' people do. Now, this person is not a super, he's just a normal God, a normal guy. Now, listen, if you tell someone that, are they going to be pumped you're in their business? Be, oh, thank you for catching me on that sinful thing. I'm glad you brought it to my attention. No! Like, who are you to talk to me that way? Sometimes it can be that small. You talk to someone you love and say, listen, this thing you're doing isn't good. Don't do this thing. And they're going to hate you for it. They're going to hate you for it. Suffer for doing good. It might be small like that. But if the moment arises where you have a choice to stand with Jesus or deny him, I encourage you to stand with Jesus. Because even if you suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. I'm closing my Bible. I'm going to try to say it. 1 Peter 3, 17. 
For it is better, if God wills it so, to suffer for doing good rather than for doing wrong. Remember this. Remember this. In the book of Acts, the disciples get beaten for preaching Jesus and they're leaving the prison. I can imagine, I think they're walking and they're quiet because getting beat up isn't awesome. Suffering is not fun. Suffering is always unpleasant. They're walking and they're going to sing. And it said of these three who got beat, and they praised God that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. Not all of us will have a chance to, to suffer for, the, for doing good. But if it comes, stand in that day. Suffer for doing good rather than for doing wrong. With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, give your word that is true. In this room, there is many, there's much suffering in this room. There's suffering that comes from being alive. There's suffering just of things that go wrong in a week that are hard. Some of this room, we're suffering because we have made foolish decisions. And the guilt and regret, it's, it's, it's weighs upon us. We talked today a lot about suffering for loving you. But let us be courageous in our, in our love for you. That the, that the moment comes to choose you or the world, you or our friends, you or our popularity, let us choose you, O oh Lord. Because if you are for us, who can be against us? In Christ, we ask all these things. Amen.